Welcome to the Loan with Jen podcast, your weekly source to keep you informed on everything about financing your home, where you will hear real facts, no BS. I'm your host, Jennifer Hernandez, a loan officer since 1995, and over 4,300 families financed to date. If you're starting to think about buying or refinancing a home, wonder if you have the right credit, savings, or even income, you're in the right place. On my weekly episodes, I make complicated topics easy to understand. By the way, my license is NMLS 514497. The ideas expressed here are my own opinions and don't represent any legal advice. Thanks for joining. Let's jump in. Welcome to Interest Rates. How are they determined anyway? Jennifer Hernandez, Legacy Mutual Mortgage. This is for anyone buying a house or anyone in the industry, a realtor, for example, that wants to understand how rates are determined. Similar to the Apple iCloud. No one really understands how that works. Well, people could say that about rates as well. But here's the nuts and bolts of it. Banks and lenders make loans to you and me, just people. And behind the scenes, they sell these loans to an investor. So the regional and local banks and mortgage companies, some banks choose to keep them in-house, but for the most part, this is very popular the way that things work. The investors that buy them are the big, huge mortgage banks that you've probably heard of. Some are just mortgage banks. They don't have depository institutions like PennyMag, Home. Those are some big mortgage banks. What they do is people like Legacy, we sell the loans and package them together and we sell them to these investors. The investors turn around and they package them up with thousands and thousands of loans together at the same time that all meet a certain criteria. And this forms a mortgage-backed security. It's a pool or conglomerate of loans and they're divided into what are called tranches. Tranches, you can say either way. So what is a tranche? You don't hear that common as a consumer. You won't really ever hear that word, but it's just a financial structure for a securitized debt product. The investors buy loans from people like you and me that are just buying houses. These investors get these loans and then they're broken up what the AAA, AA, and A means. That's how things are graded. So depending on what type of a loan you have, It's graded, it's put into a category with your credit score. Like if I'm a Wall Street hedge fund and I'm looking to invest in a mortgage-backed security, which is, remember, a conglomerate of loans, I'm going to say, I just want AAA debt. Some of them might be a little more risky and say, look, I'm willing to take A debt, which is kind of a lesser of a value. It's a little bit more of a risk that's not as highly regarded. So the yields or the rates on that might be higher, might be a pool of 4% loans or 4.5% loans. So things are graded depending on the loans that make up this big package. SPV is special product value. It's almost like that's the vehicle, okay, like the instrument. And then there's some type of a portfolio manager that's managing and making sure that the grade and the integrity of all these funds and the things that they're buying are intact. And that's how the market works. So that's a really, really big, big overall picture. If you go to more on the local level, you as a consumer on a daily basis, I mean, you're just buying a house and you just care that like, I just need to lock my loan. So what happens, someone like me, 
a client says, hey, I'm under contract, Jen, I need to lock my loan. We break it down to the frontline levels. Markets open 9.30 a.m. This is Eastern time. So our rates become available about an hour after that because the market has to open up in the morning and different lending companies like Legacy has a pricing manager and Legacy evaluates what the bond market is doing. Then we consider what we want our margins to be and how much risk we want to take and different types of loans, which we're going to go to a little bit further down have different interest rates associated with them. Everybody doesn't get the same rate, depends on a lot of different factors, which we're going to go through. So our rate sheets are released. It's about an hour after the market opens. So if the market opens at 9.30 Eastern, after the market's been open for an hour, about 10.30 Eastern, most companies have their rates established. So then it becomes available to originators like me. So my screen is locked up until this 10.30 or 9.30 central kind of ding-ding time. And then I'm able to price loans for that day. And on the contrary, different companies have different limits as to when they'll accept loans to be locked. For us, it's 5.30. So we will lock even after the market is closed. We just take the risk on that, that things are going to open okay the next morning. And just be aware, rates can change daily. So a rate on Tuesday is very different, possibly, possibly not, than a rate on Friday. So the purpose of this episode is to really just give you the working overview of rates so that you know how to make decisions that are the best for yourself. But something that I commonly see as an originator is people, if they don't understand how things work, because you don't buy a house every day. So that's normal. How would you understand, right? They think that rates are just going to stay the way that they are indefinitely. So yeah, you're talking to you right today in a week, it's going to be the same. That is not true. Sometimes when things are super volatile, based on some factors that we're going to go over in a second, rates can change two, three, four times a day. Maybe not very much, but there's some small, minute changes. So we've gone over the big picture view And now we're going to go through behind the curtain, what's really affecting interest rates. All rates are not created equal. All companies are not created equal because we talked about different companies have different margins. So before we go behind the curtain, I'd want to just say one thing. And I do, by the way, have a video about this. I'll put on this as well. I have a YouTube channel that does explain a lot of these things. I have two YouTube channels. One is called The Hernandez Team, Legacy Mutual Mortgage. And then the other is Loan with Jen. So please feel free to go subscribe. I've got lots of videos there. But basically, the interest rates are different between lenders because different lenders have different margins, overhead, cost structure. Those things all go into what determines the rates. For the most part, yes, we're all pretty equal. But there are things other than rate that go into that, like service levels, accessibility, response time, closing on time. Those are all not the scope of this episode, but those are things to think about. Let's say all things were created pretty equal. What would make you decide to choose one lender over the other? So it's a good time to think, aside from rate, what are some things that are important to you? If you're a first-time buyer, you might be super concerned about having accessibility to your questions being answered super efficiently. Back to behind the curtain. 
there's a couple of things that you cannot control that affect rates on a daily and sometimes multiple daily basis. Inflation. Inflation and what the economy is doing is super important. If there's a lot of inflation, rates are moving higher. If there's low inflation, rates are going lower. Right now, there's not a ton of inflation. This is not the only thing that affects rates, but for the most part, in a healthy economy with low inflation, rates are suppressed. So that's one factor. Economic activity. So every week, there's two to three economic indicators that are released. Some examples are jobless claims, inflation, consumer price index, job reports, job wages, the wage earnings report. And this probably you hear it on the news channel at night news or whenever you watch news and you probably just kind of glaze over to it. But all in all, the basics of what it means is when the economy has bad news, rates tend to be lower. When there's good economic news, rates are higher. And I'm going to explain that right now. If investors are nervous about the market, if they're just like, oh my gosh. And when I say investors, I mean Wall Street, like hedge fund managers, big, huge insurance companies, the big, big guys that are kind of like the Apple iCloud. I just don't even know who they are, but they're there. So the market feels nervous. Investors and bond fund portfolio managers will take the funds in their index and they'll go put it in the bond market. They'll take it out of the S&P or NASDAQ because they want the safe return that bonds gives. Bonds in U.S. Treasuries, they have, you know, a lot lower risk. They're more stable and it's a more guaranteed return. So investors will take their money out of the volatile market that's unsure and they'll move it over there. When that happens, when they're nervous, they park it over in bonds. And then that's where the prices go up because there's higher demand and the yield or the percent goes down. So that is exactly how it works for the most part. Sometimes those laws are violated, but it's very, very rare. And investors will move money in and out of the stock market and the bond market literally like on an hourly, daily basis. Like they'll park it over there to avoid any losses in the stock market, and then they'll put it right back maybe even the next day. So I mean, it happens super, super fast. So with technology, we are working on real time. And I just want to mention to you that many times the economic data that you're seeing in the news is two to three days behind what is really happening. So that's important to note that the news that you read either online or here in the news is stale as far as someone like me is concerned. So we have real time and you guys get kind of lagged information. So that is how that works with economic activity. Now, there are four to five things that are in your control. The other two things, economic activity and inflation is not in any of our control for the most part. So credit report, and these are not in any particular order, but they're all important. I tell you with caution, when you call a lender and say, what's your credit score or what's your interest rate? It is such a loaded question. Please expect to answer questions. Without these questions answered, it's nearly impossible and you're setting yourself up for inaccuracy and surprises later on. We won't give any rates without getting more information, which are the things that I'm about to go over. Some banks will, 
and it's super dangerous. So also caution when you're looking online because there's details behind the rates that you need to quantify before you really take it to validity. So credit score, 760 is the very best place for you to be. It does go in tiers behind there. I do have a great video about credit score on Loan with Jen on YouTube on just the truth about credit increase. So please go to Loan with Jen. That goes over credit scoring. But again, 760 plus is the very best credit score. Anything 760 to 850 is the same rate wise. And then as you go down in increments of 20, the rates will potentially start to go up for some products, not all of them based on credit score. So the first thing that we look at when a client is looking to buy is coach them on what to keep doing, start doing, and stop doing. So if you're not with a lender that's currently doing that for you, you might be missing out. So get some referrals, call us, get with someone that's really going to go the extra step to really coach you on credit to let you know how you can get the best terms for yourself. Loan products. So what product you're choosing determines your interest rate. The most common types are conventional loans and the next is government loans. Conventional loans are what you hear in the news, possibly Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. They are the government-sponsored entities that drive conventional loans so that they can go out and make other loans. They provide a financial vehicle They basically reimburse investors behind the scenes for the loans that they're making so that they can go out and make other loans. You'll never pay your mortgage to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, but behind the scenes, they're calling the shots, okay? Again, I kind of keep referring to the Apple iCloud because it's a great analogy of something that's there, but you just really can't touch it. You don't really know where it is. Government loans are FHA loans, FHA, VA, and USDA. Those are the three types of government loans. VA stands for... Veterans Administration, USDA is the branch of the government that deals with more rural properties. So Jumbo's in there as well. Jumbo non-conforming or synonymous terms, they're really the same thing. Those are the main types of mortgages. There are some banks that have some hybrid mortgages outside of the scope of this, but these are the ones that I'm mostly talking about today. Down payment is another consideration for interest rate. Loans with PMI actually have, believe it or not, you heard it from me, and I will publicly say this, loans with PMI have a slightly lower interest rate potentially. We're talking about an eighth of a percent, but that does have an effect on the interest rate. PMI, private mortgage insurance, and again, you can watch my video about PMI on Loan with Jen. If you just go to YouTube and look up Loan with Jen, I made a video about what is PMI. So private mortgage insurance is there, just think of it as a security blanket for the lender. In case of default, if you foreclose, the lender cashes in on an insurance policy to just repay them for the risk that they took because they loaned you a high value loan you'd put down a low down payment. 20% is where you don't have to pay the PMI. But again, 20% down loans, it does not always have the lowest rate. So that's a myth of a lot of things that we hear that people, I can imagine why they would think that 20% down would have the very best rate. Well, it does not. 25% down is another tier where the rate might start to improve. 
And again, depends on credit score and depends on property type. So these are just some basic gauges for you. And actually, another important tier on conventional loans anyway is 40% down. We find that 40% down or a 60% loan to value, anytime I have a client that's putting down 35% or 37%, I'll stretch it and show them an option and say, hey, are you willing to put 40% down? Because it usually, not always, is about an eighth of a percent. So when people are asking, what can I do to get the rate lower? I give them some of these ideas. So down payment, all down payments are not created equal. Okay, that's important to know. So different kinds of loan amount will dictate the rate as well. So conventional or conforming loans, those are synonymous terms. The current limit of those loans actually increased on January 1 of this year. In most market areas, it's $510,400. In the high cost areas, if you're watching this and you're on the coast, like California or New Jersey, New York, they're higher because the average prices in those areas are higher. But most of middle America is at $510,400, okay? FHA loans in our area, I'm in Houston, Harris County. So again, if you're in a different county outside of the Houston metro area, this might be different for you. You can just Google it. But in our area, 331,760 is the max limit for FHA loans. Jumbo loans, there's jumbo and there's super jumbos. Anything over the 510, 400 to a million is jumbo. Jumbo non-conforming, those are synonymous terms. And then super jumbo, as far as lenders are concerned, is above a million dollars. So all those different products have different rates. And one thing that I want to go over quick, investors, lenders, for higher loan amounts, like when you're in the conventional conforming loan amounts, there are incentives at different loan amounts. As you get higher towards the 500000 there's incentives to the rate because investors want those higher loan amount loans. I mean, in the business to make money. So if it's a $400,000 loan, that potentially could have a lower rate than a $100,000 loan. So as the loan amount creep up, investors like that because the long-term, the yield or the rate, the interest monthly to them is higher. So there are some investors, lenders that we sell to that will put a premium on those types of loans because those are the ones that they want in their portfolio. The investors and the market as it goes in AAA, AA, A rated credit, loan amounts are a factor in that as well. So AAA, if you have an 800 credit score and you're a $400,000 loan, you are automatically in that AAA category because that's really attractive to investors. High credit score and high loan amount. So I just wanted to mention that. Okay, what type of loan is it? This is super important. Most people get fixed rates, but ARMS, adjustable rate mortgages, sometimes have lower loan amounts, lower interest rates. However, what we've seen and what we have access to is that the ARMS and the fixed rates are really very similar. So it just makes more sense for the people to go ahead and do a fixed because the adjustable rates are 30-year loans. And the common ones are five, seven, and 10 years. So if you're there five or seven years and you're still in the home, you have to worry about, oh gosh, what am I going to do now? My rate's going to adjust. 
most people choose the fixed rate unless they know for sure they're going to not be in the home in five years. So there's different reasons for different people. But just to let you know, loan type is an important factor when determining the interest rate. So type of home, single family townhome are actually in the same category. Condominiums, high rise, 20 plus stories is high, high rise, lower rise is below that. And so condominiums are priced differently. So if you're buying a condo, even if it's a one-story condo, even if it's detached, doesn't matter if it's classified as a condo, it will have a different price to it. It's just viewed as riskier. Condominiums are very tied to the homeowners association that governs them and manages them. But homeowners association potentially goes bad or has bad management. It's not managed properly. The whole condominium complex, no matter how many units, could go and diminish. Things like deferred maintenance and many other problems that cannot happen if people aren't paying their dues. So condominiums are riskier. Multifamily, so you've got one to two units. That's just the most common. But then anything that's three to four units, actually the rates are higher on that. So do expect if you're buying a multifamily type property, that that is a factor. Construction loans for companies, not all mortgage companies do construction loans, but that is another type of loan that will determine the interest rates that are available. Primary residence, what type of property? What's the use of the property? So in the mortgage world, there's only three choices. It's a primary residence, which is where you're going to be as your homestead, or it's a second home vacation home, or it's an investment. So the second home versus investment, I really want to clarify these because this is where a lot of consumers really don't understand the definition. If you already have a primary residence where you live with your family and you're buying something down the street or within what Fannie Mae defines as a 55-mile radius of your current home, it is likely not a second home. A second home has to be a vacation home. And so it's defined as more than 55 miles from your current residence, or if it can be justified that it's like a lake house or a beach house or a ski chalet or something. So a second home is not meant to be, oh, I already have a first home, so I'm buying my second property, so it's a second home. That is not what second home means. So be careful about that when you're explaining to a lender what your property use is going to be. If it's not any of the first two, if it's not your primary and it's not a vacation home, then the only other option for a lender is investment. And investments do have higher rates and they do require a larger down payment. The minimum is, for the most part, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, 15%. You can only do investment property and second homes on conventional loans. You cannot do them on FHA. So that's not really the scope of this episode, but I thought I would mention it. So property use, super important. And the definition of property use. So we've gone through these factors. We've gone through types, things that affect the mortgage rates, things that you cannot control, which is the economy and inflation. And then the other side of it are things that you can control. Credit, down payment, property type property usage, those things all affect the interest rate. So how do you watch rate? People ask me all the time, like, hey, Jennifer, is there one place to go? There really is not. 
every client really is so different for the factors that we saw on the prior slides. So if we as a company established our rates on a website, like some lenders do or some big institutions do, as I'm hoping that you've learned after this episode, it really is a disservice to people because it's very misleading. So it depends what's behind the curtain. It really depends on so many factors. So rates that are just popping in your view, whether it's on the news or et cetera, really does need to be quantified. But for the most part, if you want to just know if rates are going up or going down, that's the easiest way to think about it. You could go and watch the 10-year bond. So the bond market, which is when we explained before how rates are affected, the bond market is the truest indicator to what mortgage rates are doing. And so the 10-year bond, if you just put a flag on your computer and you wanted to go watch it, that's what you would do. So you can see here just the most recent three years, you can see what the bonds have been doing. Now, July of 2019, so it was about 1.4. Remember, that is not the rate that consumers are getting. So lenders, when they're doing their rate sheets in the morning, they're looking at the bond or the yield of the 10-year treasury more than likely, and they're adding things to it. They've got their risk factors, depending on the type of borrower it is, and they've also got their margins. Companies are in business to make money, so they have their margins. And they also watch what their competitors are doing because they can't be too out of the market. Otherwise, they'd never get any business. You could also, to find out what rates are doing, you could call your lender. At whatever point, hopefully you've interviewed several lenders, you've narrowed it down to one or two that you feel comfortable with and that you're getting good information from going back and forth. And we just tell people, look, some of our clients are building new construction. And so the house is being built. They're just in this waiting stage and they're 90, 100, 200 days out from closing. So we just say, look, if you want to just check in, just call us and we'll be happy to tell you where rates are specific to your profile. Remember, every client is different because of credit score, down payment, all of those things. So we tailor everything definitely to them. So when can you lock? You can lock once you're under property, under contract. So that means the buyer and the seller have executed a contract. Hopefully you're using your trusted realtor, those that we definitely need realtors to represent us. And that is considered a contract. That's when we can lock the loan. So the lock is actually, believe it or not, when we go and we lock the loan in the secondary market, we have to give a property address. We are telling... FHA or VA or conventional loans, we're saying, hey, we are going to deliver this product on this date with this address. This is the collateral. And so it's tied to the borrower. There might be some companies that have a lock and shop program, but they're not giving the best rates. They're padding for the risk factor. But for the most part, majority, 90 plus percent of the lenders out there, when you're under contract, you can lock the interest rate in. So if the address changes and inspections fall through, you have to void out that lock and you start with whatever the market terms are when you're under contract, you know, in a week, two months, whenever that is. Hopefully that makes sense there. And finally, we want to be your lender. So if you are in Texas, we loan in Texas and Tennessee, Florida, Colorado. There's about 10 other states that are on our website. We're happy to talk to you. We're big on being accurate on time and tons of communication. 
And I've also put here my handles on everything. And again, go to my YouTube channel, Blown With Jen. I've got some really good informational videos and webinars there. So we'd love to have you subscribe to that. So thank you for listening and appreciate everyone tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Loan With Jen podcast. Keep joining me each week to stay up to date on the mortgage industry as I'll dive into relevant topics so your home financing process, whether you're buying or refinancing, is smooth and simple. If you enjoyed today, please click follow and that way you'll never miss an episode. To find us on social media, just go to Loan With Jen on any of the social media handles, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in this week for Real Facts, No BS. Talk soon.